You're listening to Antioch Center for the Nations. For more information, please visit www.antiochchurch.sg. This message is simply focus, the ability to concentrate. And I want to begin by reading a passage to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. If I were to run a race, as Paul was actually, from what we can piece together from his different letters that he wrote, he had an interest in the games. He was a Roman citizen, and that was a big thing in Rome, were the games, the Olympics, as we call them today, have their roots in Rome, Greco-Roman culture, and competitive games. And of course, the games were a little bit more extreme back then that we know about history. But there still was running. They were all pretty much a lot of the same events that we have today. And Paul seemed interested in running. He spoke about it often. And I like that he created or he made this analogy to, just to tell us about the importance of us doing a number of things, not just in the physical, but in the spirit, a spiritual focus, a focus on eternity, a focus that involves strict training, as he says there. And he talks about the fact that we're not looking for a crown on earth, but we're looking for a heavenly crown. And it's important that we never take our eyes off the prize, that we never lose focus. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. A brief, really a simple message about focus. And I hope that you are able to learn some things about this and I'm going to speak actually from references uh, in my life and over the years. Uh, I'll start with this story. A long time ago, um, when my first son was 13 years of age, I gave him a job. Uh, I assigned him with the task of multiplying compact discs, burning CDs, and then putting them into containers and labeling them with these stickers that we had because I produced a CD called We Gather. For a while it was available on iTunes and then I just, it was not earning enough money to pay for the iTunes fee, so I, I took it off. But I had it and I would give it out when I would go preach and minister. I would let people, because it was all original songs that were organically recorded from the services. People liked it. But my son was helping me with that project and at that point in his life, 13, that's usually around the age that young people are having trouble focusing. Uh, they tend to uh, meander in their attention, their thoughts, they wander. If you give them a task, often you will come back after commissioning them in the home to do something and the job will not yet be finished because they are sidetracked somehow with something. And so you always have to rebuke them and tell them, that, why didn't you do what I told you to do? Oh, I was doing it, but then, you know, the cat scratched me. Or There's always something that broke their focus. And this is normal amongst young people. But my son that day, 
he was working that way, and I had about 200 CDs for him to do, and he was, he was about a third of the way through, but it was taking a super long time. And I noticed it was because he had the sticker, like he'll take the sticker off, he'll go to put it onto the CD container, and then he would stop and laugh and joke and look at something on TV. He would go put it again. Oh, Dad, did you? I, it was just distracting. And he was laughing, having fun, enjoying life, and we all want to enjoy life. But I then had to finally crack the whip, as we say, on him and say, look, Tony, um, you need to pay attention to what you're doing. Focus. Stop laughing, stop joking, stop kidding, just do it. Now, when I said the rebuke, like some children do, especially around that age, he was a little bit offended that I rebuked him that way. You know, kids, it's normal when they get into their teens, you can tell a boy is becoming a man because he becomes progressively angry. And anger is the sign of manhood, really. That's when you, you can tell, oh, they're growing up. Watch my boys turn into men. Now I have two uh, wonderful boys that are husbands, good husbands, good fathers, and both now are fathers. And I watched that progression. And this is one of the moments key in his life that he learned an important lesson. I rebuked him. And so finally, kind of just to mock me, he pretended he was a machine and just started like focusing totally, but exaggerated. And like, like he was some type of assembly plan. And he did that angry with a scowl on his face. But lo and behold, he suddenly his productivity increased by about 400%. <laughs> and in the time it had taken him previously to put together maybe three CDs, he'd done like ten of them. And then he got into the rhythm and the excitement of being productive. And he realized, if I keep doing this, I'll get this job done. So that's a lesson you learn in life. When focus starts to... You understand why we have to strictly discipline ourselves, train, keep right. So he did it, and, and I had already told him that I would pay him something. It was a little job. And so he got focused. He did the whole thing. And after that, he not only did he learn, but he also expressed it like this. He, he, he observed that if he eliminated what he called emotions from the equation of doing this task, he could achieve his goal much faster. And I said, actually, son, that's a, that is a mark of maturity. And now, if you can stop goofing off, like my mother used to say, uh, stop lollygagging. She had all these words, you may not even know, that she would tell me, lollygagging, um, she gonkavanting. I mean, these are like strange words, different language sources. I don't know, but she had a whole vocabulary of words when she was angry at me because I was not focused. So she taught me that too. Now, I didn't really learn focus until way later when I had, uh, I, well, actually my first job uh, employed was at a pet shop. And I loved fish. I had aquariums. I had saltwater, freshwater aquariums, and I was really into that. And so what better place than to get a job at a pet shop? But while I was working there, I was not a focused. I had not yet learned anything about focus or discipline. And so, like what was a real shock to me, there was a day at the end. I was working there for a few weeks, and the boss, at the end of the day, he would pay in cash. And he handed us the money, and he said, Stephen, I, I need to talk to you. And I said, yeah. And he said, um, I'm no longer going to be needing you here. And I was just going into shock, like, what? And he, he says, he says I, I don't, you're, you're not focused, you're not, you just, 
half the time I can't find you, you're hiding in the bathroom all the time, and you just, you're not paying attention, customers are called, you're not, just, you're not working out. And I said, what do you mean? I still didn't get what he was trying to do. So finally he just said, he looked me in the eyes and he said, you're fired. <laughs> I've never been fired before, or let go. I'm the only one, wow. Me and Tim, Tim, thank you, man. We share the misery. It is a horrible feeling. You feel like you just, you melt on the inside. And it was a hard lesson to learn. And I went away from that job very concerned about possibly being a failure for the rest of my life. And, but that was a good thing. It was, a, it was kind of an emotional, social spanking that straightened me out. My next job was at a Wendy's old-fashioned hamburger restaurant. It's a lot like McDonald's. And they had Wendy's here. Is there still Wendy's here anywhere? I think, um, yeah. There's not a lot of them. There used to be one out of uh, Jerome Point. I used to go to that one there. And uh, I worked at Wendy's, and that's where they took the time to teach me to focus. And they would tell me that all the time when I started. Okay, Stephen, you have to pay attention. You have to focus. And I still had some fun. And they would say, look, you're not, you're not here to have fun. You're here to do a job. So they did the same thing. My son noticed that we had to get rid of emotions and just stay focused. So I so, said, oh, okay. And they trained me. And I got into it, started to enjoy it, and I became very focused, and I became the best grillman in the restaurant. I mean, I was the guy they called in when tour buses pulled up and 75 people got out. They were all the workers there, but they would say, put Stephen on the grill now, hurry. Because I could handle that grill. I was, I was, it was art. I was it. I was amazing. I could push a hundred patties at a time. I could cook them. It was nothing I couldn't do on that grill. I was very good at it because I had already learned how to be completely focused on my job. And I got good at it. And I learned that lesson. It's never left me since then. That was even before I knew Jesus. In fact, that was a year before I got saved. I started learning these lessons about focus. And when I came into the Lord, I found out all the principles in the kingdom of God are based on the same principle. In fact, anybody that received anything from God did so because of a season of intense focus and seeking. Seek until you find. Knock until the door is open. Right? The continuous progressive tense in the Greek. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open. Ask and keep on asking. In other words, focus on asking. Focus on knocking and be focused. I remember in, in India... We had a missionary there, actually a cousin of mine. Uh, missionaries would come. We worked in every country we've been. We had families of missionaries from our home country. We trained them, teach them, and she was like that. Like you'd give her a job, and she would not do it, not complete it. And uh, I had to start cracking down on her because that was my job to help her learn discipline. And she also got angry at me because nobody likes correction. By the way, I know the Bible says we should, but I know. I mean, no, nobody likes to be corrected. But it's good. It needs to be done. And I corrected. And she was was just, you know, noticed this trend that when it came time to doing something, I was focused. In fact, she did this really neat thing with her hands. This is the way she described that. I told you before, I think. But she, she was mad at me that day because I rebuked her. I gave her the whole speech. Basically, this message I'm sharing with you, I shared it with her. And and she just looked at me. She said, just it's just you. You are, you, you're like focused. <laughs> like that. You focus. It's like everything's got to be about exactly what you're doing in that moment. And she meant it like a criticism. 
Like we say, you're uptight, or you're too serious, or you're, you know, you're, you're, you just you got to relax. And no, we need focus. The Bible is filled from cover to cover with reasons why we should focus. People who lost focus. People who did not. You know the story of, uh, in, uh, I'm not going to read it, it's a very long chapter, but if you're interested, it's in 1 Kings chapter 13, I believe. Yeah, First, it's a story about a man called just the man of God. It doesn't give you a name, but the Spirit of the Lord, God speaks to this man of God and tells him to go on a mission to deliver the word of God on a national level there with the king. And, and he goes, the man of God goes, and he delivers this a miracle happened because he said that God would confirm this word of judgment against the nation by splitting the altar in half. And the king got angry and said, seize him. And when he reached out his hand to point at the prophet who just prophesied that, it says his hand shriveled up instantly. And he pulled it back, gnarled and shriveled. And at that very moment, that massive altar split in half and the ashes poured out of it. Now suddenly, he was a man of God. And so God established him with this supernatural thing. Now, the, the Lord, when the Spirit came on him, it told him very specifically, when you go, do not turn to the left or the right, don't talk to it, just go do your mission, don't eat, don't drink, stay focused. Focus on your word and then go out a different way than you went in. I mean, there's very specific details about what he should do. And he went, and he was focused most of the, most, all the way through, everything was fine. And just when he's finished with his mission, he's going back. And an old prophet there in that area stopped him on the road because he heard from his sons about this amazing thing where the altar split and he's done this. So he went and he says, come to my house. Come, I want to feed you. And, and I just want to bless you, man of God. And he said, no, I cannot do no matter what. I must obey. The Lord told me, go. I'm focused. Now this guy lied to him. And said, well, actually, I too am a prophet and an angel of the Lord. It says literally an angel. It started in the beginning. He heard from God. This guy's hearing from an angel. But it was a lie anyway. He says, an angel told me that I'm going to take you back to my house and feed you and give you something to drink before you go on your way. And he actually believed him. He yeah. lost focus. Yeah. And what happened as a result? He goes there, eats while he's sitting at the table. The same man that just convinced him to come and eat prophesies to him. And says, the Lord says you lost focus. <laughs> and as a result, uh, you will not be buried with your fathers. And it was a horrible thing. Now, he had he finished his meal, it says. And he goes outside, and there was a lion that mauled him, and he and he died in the road. And it, the story goes on, but the point is, and I looked at several stories like that through the scriptures, people who lost focus paid heavy prices in the Old Testament. When I read a story like that, by the way, I immediately think, thank God I live in the New Testament. Thank God. I live in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the epic of grace and mercy, because I probably would have been mauled by a lion a long time ago because I have lost focus many times. But I'm striving and learning how to keep my focus. And we know the body of Christ has structure, has order, and all of us function in roles. In Philippians chapter 1, 1, it says Paul and Timothy, bond servants, so you see servants, 
of Jesus Christ, the Messiah to all the saints, that's God's consecrated people in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the bishops, overseers, and deacons. Actually, you see different demographics within the church here, that there's structure, there's order. And these are all people focused, the servants of God or the apostolic ministry that was going to set up the churches and do these things. And Paul always had focus. Actually, his focus from the beginning was stand before Caesar and testify about Jesus. And once he had that, that's why he wrote those words. If you run in a race, you have to finish it. And there's later he talks about the fact that if you do not play by the rules, you also will be disqualified. And if you don't do exactly what God says, God has a specific plan, there's structure, there's order, and within the church we need to know. We need to have the ability to focus because lack of focus is the basis of failure. And as a pastor for all these years that I've been ministering in the body of Christ, I've seen so many people come in and go out I've seen successful people, I've seen unsuccessful people, and in most cases, the one commonality that I have found and observed is that people who fail to focus do not succeed. And people's, people who do focus, uh, they will succeed. There are some people, I've actually been told linguistically that I'm some kind of genius. They say, oh no, you could have, because I learned things quickly, but... And in Indonesia, they call me Rajin, you know, because he's so focused. Actually means diligent or focused. And that's what he was. But, and they said, oh, because you learn so quickly. Actually, I don't learn quickly. I learn the same pace as everyone else. I'm just so focused, I will study for 20 hours a day if I have to. Once I'm focused, I'm done. I'm like that about all things because of those lessons I learned. And it's really probably one of the chief reasons for any success I've ever had in ministry and anything I've ever accomplished for Christ. When I go to see a movie at Cathay Cinema, I'm focused. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like a mission. I, I, I can't stand. I go into a movie and we're like 15 minutes into the movie and people are just coming to get their seats. I always have that thought, idiots. <laughs> um, if you do that, it's not you, obviously. You, I'm sure you have a good reason. But for me, I can't do that. I can't do it. If I'm going to see a movie, I'm going to see a movie. I'm focused on that movie. Don't talk to me. Who's that? What's that? Why is that? You want some chocolate? You want some popcorn? No, I don't. No, watch the movie. Watch the movie. Even at home, I'm like that. I'll, I'll start a movie on television. My family will be sad. My wife will pull out her phone and start looking. We're going to watch it. I'll pause it. And stare at it. She's like, what? I said, are we watching the movie or not? She said, I just was responding to a message. I said, yeah, but you just missed the key element in the plot of this movie. And later you're not going to know what's going on. You're going to ask me. So that's the problem with being focused. It's, in some ways it really is beneficial. In other ways it can cause you to make enemies. But I'm just, I'm focused like that. If, if I'm going to exercise, for instance, I'm focused. I'm focused. If I'm going to run, I'm going to run. If I'm going to lift weights, I'm going to lift weights. And if I'm going to decide not to, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I'm focused in other realms, too. I'm focused, for instance, in work, but I'm also focused in rest. On my day off, I'm focused, and that day is compartmentalized strictly for rest. And that's what I do. And I'm going to rest. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. You say, well, what is rest? Oh, rest for me, it might be binge-watching an entire season of a television show. I don't know. It's my free day. I do whatever I want to do. I'm usually on the couch. I'm usually not going anywhere. 
I usually have bits of popcorn on my shirt. I'm just relaxed. And you know, it's one day a week I get, and I'm foc I'm as focused on rest and play as I am on my work. And I, you would not get the messages you get. You would not get the worship you get if I were not focused. This, this, the music does not throw itself together and perform itself. It takes a lot of focus to work on that and seek and hope and pray. The messages don't just jump together. I don't just Google something and print it out and take it. I focus for hours and hours and hours. Everything depends upon it. And we see this in children. And um, we see this in people's lives. What was I, I was telling a story for a moment ago and I got off. Um, what was the last thing I was saying? Anybody? I lost focus. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm focused. Like, the thing about children. Yeah, Dana. Oh, Dana, no, Dana already focused. She, she said that was focused. But anyway, she learned focus, by the way. They all learned focus. The ones that didn't, they did, they did not continue on. They ended up moving on. But anyway, let me move on to the message. A child. Uh, last last week uh, for Friday, Saturday, really interesting topic there, but also as a psychologist that was talking about children. He had some really interesting things. I love I love children. I like looking at the development of children, their mentality. How they, I love raising my children. Excited to have um, new meat in my house. I have a little grandbaby. I get to raise another child, and I hope they don't move away too quickly because I love, I, I love to see the development, and I like teaching focus. But honestly, a little baby can't focus on anything. A one-year-old, a one-year-old's attention span is like 30 seconds. You know, you really can't, if, if even a food thing, it'll lick and then go. It, that's, but two-year-old, you maybe get two minutes out of Three-year-old, three minutes. It really is just like each year that goes by, you'll get another minute of attention span. I'll say, but what about when you're 15 years old? Yeah, about 15 minutes. I find teenagers, yeah, usually their age. If they're 18, I've got about 18 minutes to make my mark, get in and get out. Because at 17 and a half minutes, they're falling asleep. Or they're looking on their phone in their lap, pretending like they're not looking on their phone. So I know this is true, the tension span that as you get older, it grows, I'm 50. So yeah, I have about 50 minutes, honestly. And I try to make my messages fit in about 50 minutes because I will lose my own place in my own message. <laughs> so work with what you have. The Bible says redeem the time, right? Do your best to use that. We can train ourselves to focus as we grow. It is something that is cultivated. It's not an instinct. Don't say, well, some people just have more focus than others. It's not because it is hereditary, you understand. It's not because, it's because they learned it, it was taught to them. If you've not been taught focus, and this is the issue with the millennials. Millennials do not have this focus. There's a whole generation that seems to be missing the ability to focus. They just kind of, they're wandering around. They're always doing something that's not connected to what they're supposed to be doing. I see every, every place I go in Singapore, any restaurant, anything, you see it. You just say, hello, hello, can you help me please? And they're like, huh? <laughs> Absolutely no focus, you know, just... I'm here. See, I'm paying customer. That's how you get paid by me. Just give me some attention. Please focus on me. I need a cheeseburger with no onion. Please. And you tell them that, but it comes and there's the onions. Uh, you open it and you say, why are there onions on my hammer? Uh oh. Because they weren't focused. 
that's, that's a bad thing. You're going to have to learn it because if not, we're going to end up with a whole generation of people that have no skills whatsoever. And right now, because of an age of prosperity of parents, parents are taking care of them, paying for their needs, and they're, they're just living off of their parents. But guess what? Because of the laws of economics on planet Earth, there's going to be a devaluation of the money, even if the parents leave the money to them. If they don't learn some focus and productivity, they're not going to have anything by the time they're their parents' age. Because you know that the entire life savings of someone from yesterday is not even enough to put a down payment on the house these days. Sadly. It's the way it is. So every generation needs to learn focus. And my children, of course, fit within that category, but I've not allowed them to not. But I do, I'm also, you know, if I have it, I'm going to help them. And, you know, I don't want them to be sad. I want if, but that's part of it. Sometimes there cannot be happiness. Sometimes happiness can be a deception. Sometimes we as parents wanting to make our kids happy, we're actually removing from them the laboratory of learning they're supposed to have so they can learn how to focus and pay a price and pay attention. Stay in focus because, as I say, lack of focus is the basis of failure. Everything starts. Just like my son found out from those CDs, so all of us are going to have to learn. Now, I want to get to this part. Um, I honestly, I strive uh, to be a person of covenant. I work very hard to try to keep my word because really focus is just one element of a bigger issue called integrity. And that is the ability to keep your word, to, to, to uh, if you make a vow, fulfill that vow, all those things. Now, at a root level, the reason why people lack integrity is because they lack focus. If you have focus, integrity will be a byproduct of it. So it's one of the foundational elements of it. I could create a whole series and give you every element of it and do that. It would be like basically a course I could call Life 101. You want to live a successful life. This is basically what you need. And that probably would be a good course to have. I'll just inject it in the core when I teach the Bible school students. I do mention these things. But now I want to talk about this. Three elements of concentration. And these are three things. I'll start with the letter C about focus. And I'm going to just show you these three things. Because if you have to, by the way, the, the antithesis of each of these are three reasons why people... Uh, cannot concentrate in life. The first one is clarity of focus. What I mean by that, the scripture says, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. King James, sound mind. Sound mind. And it means that the ability to concentrate, the ability to use your mind to focus on a task, and clarity of focus really comes from two basic ideas, time parameters and action parameters. That action, in the sense of, well, I'll start with the last one and work my way back. Uh, the action is what you have to do. The task, the job. Uh, if I tell my child to clean their room, clean your room. Now, I need to be very specific about what that is. Because if there's not clarity if, of action and time parameters, there cannot be focus. Clarity of focus means I'm going to have you do a job for me, but I want you, can you clean this area for me? That's very general, and I walk away. What does that mean, clean this area? You might just walk around and pick up the little white dusty spots, and that's it. 
But what if I mean uh, take the rugs outside, beat the dust out of them, sweep underneath, mop that surface, bring the rugs, put them back, then vacuum those rugs, and then clean everything else and dust everything in the room. If I don't mention the action parameters, that is exactly what the task is, how can you possibly focus on that task? So there, like as a parent, for instance, that would be my fault if I don't design and script for my children. That's why it's actually good to have it in writing. That's why when you go get a job, to be focused on your job, they are very specific and they write everything down for you. And you even sign contracts with action parameters and time parameters mentioned on there. Time parameters are how long you have to do it. A lot of times, for instance, there's a lack of clarity of focus in a child who's expected to do homework if you don't give them a time limit. If you sit a child down and just give them a book and say, just do your homework, when you get done, you get done. There's no limit to time, they, they, they're very hard to focus. But if you get yourself an egg timer and wind it around to 50 minutes and put it in front of them so they hear it ticking, and say, when this bell rings, you must be done. See, now they they're have clarity of focus. Because they have a time hole. I have to get this. That's why you have deadlines for tasks on your jobs, school. We have to do these things. I have deadlines I have to meet. They're called church services. <laughs> and I know when a service is coming, that's a deadline. 7 p.m. on Wednesday, 7 p.m. on Thursday, that's a deadline. I have to put up or shut up in that moment. I, gotta, I have to do it. It's an in-season, out-of-season, but if I, if I don't do the right things, I'm not ready. Whose fault is that? That's my fault. So I am clear about my time parameters in doing my job because I know how long it takes to put a message together. I know how approximately how long it takes for me, usually in consideration, in time, what I call qualifying, quantifying, and stratifying the revelation the Lord gives me. That's about an eight-hour process for me. So I know I have to figure out aiming at a service, back up before that, I need at least eight hours. I need to make that time. If it means I can't sleep, then I don't sleep. And that is often what happens if I'm busy. I end up just losing sleep because that I understand the time. I don't lose focus. I have clarity of focus because I know what it requires and what to do, and I know what my action is. But people who are not performing or not fulfilling, that's what they're missing. They don't understand what they want to do. They don't, they, don't, they don't get it. Well, you need to come up with If you yourself can create the time parameters and the action parameters. If you're working for someone, of course, they will provide it for you. They will tell you. The scripture, Ephesians 5.16 says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. I mentioned it earlier. Um, that passage is interesting. After that, it says, Walk circumspectly. Also, in the, in the following part of that, meaning you pay close attention to everything around you, and you redeem the time by measuring. The Bible also tells us to number our days. All of this falls into the time parameters. Make sure that you have focus about that. This clarity of focus affects your ministry vision. It affects your marriage. It affects your family. You need, in a relationship with a spouse, a husband or a wife, you need time parameters, action parameters. You need to know what your wife expects you to do and when she needs it done. Otherwise, you may not be married for very long. So for me to have focus, I need to focus on my marriage the same way. I think you get my point, what I'm trying to establish here. And really, this is the start and the finish of my job. And that's exactly now. Once I begin, I know my time limit. 
and I know exactly what my function is. It's clear. I have a clear vision. For me, it's simple because you see it. Uh, it's worship and word. Basically, I come down to that. And in the summers, I do the program, and I teach people. That's pretty much what I do. It's my ministry job. There are other tasks in between where I'm traveling, preaching, teaching in different churches, doing seminars and all those things. That also, this applies. If I know I have a seminar, I have clarity of focus about how long I need to see a schedule. I need to know how many hours am I teaching. And then I need to know what are the subjects. Because if I don't know that, then, then I can't be focused. And you will be able to tell. We'll go to the next one. Number two, constancy of focus. Uh, you could also say um, uh, that someone who is focused remains focused. That by very nature of being focused means that you stay concentrated. And that you do it for a long term. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, why would a worker be ashamed? Well, a worker would be ashamed if they've not fulfilled what is expected of them. Uh, if they present yourself, you present yourself to God as someone approved, you want approval, then you do, you focus and fulfill consistently, constantly. What has to be done? And a lot of times if people will do something for a while and then stop doing it, that's a big issue. In other words, they don't finish uh, the task at hand or what they're supposed to be doing. And that's exactly what happened with that aforementioned man of God from the 13th chapter of 1 Kings. He, he, was not, he didn't consistently do what he was supposed to do. And so that was a loss of focus also. So once a decision is made... And an agreement is reached according to the, the contractual ideas, your vision, what you want to do. By the way, this is the same in relationships, too. You need to be focused on relationships. If you're not, you will lose those relationships. Uh, you focus on someone's heart, someone's feelings, someone's ideas. That's called compassion. And you're loving your neighbor as yourself is being focused on them. Caring for their needs. If you're going to meet with them, make sure you meet on time. The integrous issues of timing, once again. And if you, if you are supposed to be somewhere at a certain time, get there on time. And for some reason, people just can't do that. And I'll tell you, if you can't do that, you probably will never really succeed in life. I have to break that news to you. If you can't keep your timings, something's going to break apart. Some, in fact, already, you haven't seen it. But you've already lost more than you can imagine from the times you've been late. You've lost integrity. You've lost hope of people in you. You've lost faith towards you. You are not trustworthy. And so you're relegated to a position of someone who does not eat. They won't be on time. They can't, I, I can't use them. I just I have to do it myself. And, uh, and therefore, they're, you're not a help. You actually become more of a problem than a solution when you don't keep your timings. It's a very serious issue. I learned it a long time ago, and I, and I realized if I can just do this one thing, I just need to be on time. I just need to be on time. That's all. That's all. Well, how do you do that? But the train, but the bus, but this. No, leave earlier. Leave early. Give yourself a margin of time, a buffer. Some of the simple solutions to it. If you really need, need to go into some type of psychological therapy with you about how to keep your timings, I would be happy to do it. I would love to sit down with you and script out your life and show you. And see now, here's your problem. Uh, you don't know how long it takes to shower. 
<laughs> you know, it's little things like that. You just, oh, I just go, I just jump in the shower quick and then I'll go. <laughs> and you, you know, you look at the, you know, you need to know exactly how long it takes you to shower. That way you can gauge yourself. I know this sounds like very remedial, simple things. And why would this is infantized? Even why are you talking about that? I'm talking about it because it's an issue. And it's missing. There's no constancy of focus that needs to be developed. We need to do that if we really, especially, everything that we do in life is paralleled in spirit. But what in germ is important in life, in total fruition, is multiplied in importance in spirit. You understand? It's the same thing. All these issues are so important. And, and honestly, it's easy to grow weary in well-doing. And I know that it's easy to lose focus. Uh, that's why we need to rehearse or remember our vision. And really, one way to keep constancy of focus is to keep constancy of purpose in mind. Why are you doing what you're doing? You work in a job? Why? You don't like that job? You're not enjoying it? You just you start to lose focus? Why? Why are you working to begin with? Answer the question. And if you can figure that out, answer it, and then remind you, ask yourself the same question every day. Why do I do what I do? What's my goal? For what purpose? Because if you lose sight of that, then that is losing focus. Focus is understanding I must fulfill these parameters of action and time. I must do this. And if you get that and understand it, then you will be able to be successful in that regard. Without going, you know, it might not be easy. Now this is the thing, you know, growing weary and well-doing is a passage we're going to read in the next one. Why don't we go to the third one and I'll talk about it some more. Completion of focus. Uh, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Why would you need patience in spirit? Because sometimes you are going to be impatient or have a temptation to be impatient in fulfilling a task. You'll grow bored. What is boredom, by the way? Be very careful with that disease. Boredom only comes when you don't understand or remember your purpose and your function. You get bored because it... Why? Because you want to be having fun. There's time for fun. There's time for everything under the sun. Everything can be done. The same writer, Ecclesiastes, Solomon said the same thing. There's a time There's a time to work and there's a time to play. I told you a little while ago, I, as serious as I am about work, I am about play. And I will play. It's time for me to play, I'm going to play. I will sit and build a Star Wars Lego ship for 15 hours straight on my day off. Specifically on my day off. Which, by the way, have you seen the new Millennium Falcon Lego set? It is incredible. 7,000 plus pieces. It's incredible. But anyway, back on subject. It would take one man, I calculated, it would take one person to build that set about three days at eight hours a day. That's how complex the set is. I actually went online, saw a YouTube video, sped up like eight times, and it took me an hour to, to just watch that, and they were skipping a lot of things. They're just showing you how it's put together. Really amazing. Now, you say, but that seems like a waste of time. Well, no, that's my business on my day off. I compartmentalize my life. What's that? That's called order. It's called focus. When I was 17 years old, somebody stuck a little book in my hand, and the title of the book was Ordering Your Private World. And I'll never forget that book. 
there were several things in there, principles. One that was most important, it really got me, it said, if you do not order your private world, someone or something else will. What do they say, that idle hands of the devil's workshop? You know, that's not really scripture, but it is pretty much applicable. But if you have a focus, you have a task, you have a thing, okay, I'm going to do this no matter how simple it is. You order and prepare and mark your times. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be flexible. You can be overly rigid in your restrictions, but it is good to be disciplined, and the Bible teaches us this. By the way, anybody, like I said, anyone that's ever received anything from God, they were focused. Now, we want to finish it, though. And Solomon says, the end of it is better than the beginning. How many of you know that feeling when you finish a job? It's done. And you wipe your hands, and it just feels good, doesn't it? There is a main, there's like an intoxication that occurs when you clean your house. You know that feeling? When you really clean it, it's about all the nooks and crannies, and you, that when it's done, and all the laundry is done, there's nothing dirty in it, everything's washed, folded, put away, in its right place, everything's in order, you got the dust bunnies from out from under the couch, everything's, and you had that, that feeling comes over you, it's done. And you don't even want to sit down because you'll wrinkle the fabric on the couch. And you, just, you just enjoy the doneness of that. That's what this is referring to, the end of a thing. It's like that for me when I preach. In a moment, I will finish this message. We will pray, and I'll get that feeling again. The message delivered. I did it. It feels so good. But what if I don't follow through to the end? What if I don't finish what I started out? What if I quit in the middle of it? Well, then I'm someone that should be ridiculed according to the passages we see. I want to read a couple of passages because we need to finish what we start. It's, a big, it's very important. Uh, the next frame, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, by the way, these are witnesses that had focus in their life and fulfilled great things by faith. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There's Paul's race again, assuming that Paul could be the author of Hebrews. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And the King James, that says the author and finisher of our faith. And he's finishing what he's begun. The work he's begun in you, he will be faithful to complete it. And let me say this. It says, be holy as your Father in heaven is holy, right? How many of you know that there is no greater person of focus than Almighty God? He is completely focused. When Jesus was on earth, that was the most incredible image of focus ever seen that walked the planet. So to be focused is to be like God. And Jesus did everything, finished everything. He said on the cross, it is finished fulfilled exactly what he had to do. We need to be able to live a life that puts us in a position to be able to say, it is finished. Paul also said it in his letters, I've run the race, I've completed the course. My work is finished. What a great thing. 17th chapter of John, Jesus put it in the prayer. I've fulfilled it, I've done it. What you told me to give them, I've given them. That means Jesus had a list of things the Father had given him that he had to fulfill. Action and time parameters. He knew he had three and a half years. He knew that it had to fit within exact frame. He knew that Passover was coming in the middle after that third year passed. And that he already knew that he was the Lamb. 
And he knew that he would die. He knew it already. The Father gets so he knew exactly his limitations. He finished everything perfectly. He's the author and the finisher or perfecter of your faith. Why? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And that's the thing. We lose heart. We grow weary when we stop seeing the goal set before us. The joy set before him was resurrection and eternity. Well, that's a good place to start. Why do you do what you do, Stephen? Because I'm going to eternity and I want to be able to say, I finished. If it feels good after you've cleaned your room as a child and you tell daddy, come see. Mommy, come see. You know that feeling of child, they're so proud. Come see, look, I, I did that, I did that, I did that. And they're so excited and, oh, very good, baby, that's great. Come on, we'll go get some ice cream. There's a reward. Just Look at that in the picture of eternity. That's exactly what's going to I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. What is fidelity? What is a faithful servant? Someone who fulfills the tasks, finishing what God has commissioned us to do. And this is exactly what Jesus gave us as an example. We go to the next. It says, my meat, he said, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Why? Because the person who doesn't finish things is ridiculous. Bottom line. If you start things and then eh, get bored with it. There's it boring. Be careful. That's, that's a pitfall. does not matter if you're bored. Finish. Finish what you set out to. Complete your task. Then move on. Do one thing at a time. I, I, I can stand when I go home and my children, these days, she'll have a coloring book out. There'll be colors on the coffee table. And then there's some Pokemon over here. And then there's these things over here. And over here, there's like seven projects currently in motion in the house. One child. So what do I do? Sergey. I get the daddy voice. You know, Sergey, come here. Come here. What is this? Uh, I'm coloring. You are not presently coloring. You were coloring, but you didn't even finish the color, the pick. It's the half colored. You sit down and finish this. But before you do that, put all these other projects. So I have to police the house, right? Because I'm trying to train her on how to finish things. Do one thing at a time. Do it right. Complete it, and then move on. And you will become a person of focus. Go to the next one, please. Focus. The three elements of concentration we saw: clarity of focus. Number one. Know your action and time parameters. Let it be clear. No misunderstanding. If you have any misunderstanding, if you have a job somewhere and you don't understand something, it is up to you to ask for clarity. You go and ask. Don't just try to guess and see. No, say exactly. There's a manual. Read the manual. Uh, we have the Bible for our spiritual lives. Everything's really written there. I don't, need, I don't even need God to tell me right now what I need to do because it's written. God's will is written in the Bible. You can't miss it. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That means I must always have focus on doing the ministry of reconciliation and letting people know that Jesus died for them. I have to do that. And I'm focused on that. 
But also, he said, Stephen, do you love me? And I said, yes. And he said, feed my sheep. So I'm called in the ministry. So there, they're very clear. We have clarity of focus. Second, constancy of focus. I'm not going to quit until it's done. Not going to quit. You know, when I run, I set a distance. I set on my watch. I have an Apple watch. I'll set actually how far. If I want to run six miles or 10K, I put 10K in my watch. And I will not cut it short. But once I put it now, I know that day if I need it, I may put less because I know I don't feel. It's like when you're getting ready to build that tower, make sure you have enough. Now you say, who's going to see that? Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to know. I cannot finish. I'll just cancel that. No, you might be able to. I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm not wired that way. Understand, that's called self-discipline. And when I do it, I will. if I'm dying, if I have blood running out of my shoes, I'm still going to finish. I will do it. I'm going to finish. If it's a test, I've got to, i just got to do that. Well, you sound like you have a psychological disorder. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'm just focused. We can focus. We can do things. Fulfill what God has given us to do. Fulfill that task. Not growing weary in the well-doing. Not being tangled up in the things of this life, the sin that besets us and stops us. There's a race out there. We just need to stay focused and understand when I am fulfilling that 10K and I'm on nine and there's one more, I'm not happy. In that moment, in the, the last push to finish what I've obligated myself to do, I'm often very unhappy. But I push through. That's, that's really an image of life. That's an image of what has to be done. I do not always feel good about preparing the messages. I don't always get a happy, glorious feeling and I thank God I get to do the messages. Yay! No, sometimes it's a weight. It's a job. I have to do it. But I do it. Why? Because I'm focused on you. Now this is the last key I'll leave with you, although it's not written, it's true. Focus and purpose has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with everyone else. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, the law of Christ means that I must be focused on fulfilling your needs. My purpose is your future, your destiny. Every message I do, everything I do is focused on helping you to get where you need to get. If I were simply focused so that I could feel good about being focused, I, I would lose sight of it. Uh, I wouldn't. Why? Why would I do that? But if I know I'm required to stay consistent, I'm required to have clarity, constancy, and complete that because a deadline is coming, and that reason I have to is because of you, I need to do it for the church, I need to do it for the people, then I will remain focused. In other words, I will keep my focus because I am serving you. If it's just about me, I might not. But I still, even for myself, I have self-discipline which translates over into fulfilling my obligations to you. But I believe that you might say tonight, well, you know, I'm, uh, I don't have a lot of focus. I'm actually a very unfocused person. And I, I, Stephen, you're making me feel sick tonight. And this message is probably the worst message I've heard this year. And thank you for making me feel so miserable. Look, that's not my job. I'm not coming here to make you feel miserable. But do know this, the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof and instruction in righteousness. Uh, more than half of that is, is painful. 
correction, reproof. You know, that's what the Word does. God's messages should always be provoking us. That's what it says, we don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Again, that same passage says we provoke one another to good works, to fulfilling our Word, for doing... This, this, I'm saying this because everybody in this church recently, they're all ministers. You might not realize, but you're all ministers. And you all have a ministry. I see it. And you're, it's a, this key, the key to focus, you will not fulfill that ministry. You will not do it if you don't learn how to focus. And I want to equip you with the ability to do that in all those issues. Amen? I would like you to stand up with me. We're going to pray now. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you did endure and pay the price for us. So grateful that you didn't grow weary and well-being. You certainly had a lot of cause to want to quit in the middle of doing it, but you had ultimate purpose and focus. And you are the firstborn among many brothers. You are our elder brother, our example. You're the template for us to follow. We must be like you. Integrous people that do not take lightly the things that you've called us to do. It's so serious. It's so serious that we, that we count this as important. Our future depends upon it. Eternity lies in the balance of our ability to focus and to stay focused. Don't lose heart. Keep your vision clear in your mind. The word is clear. It tells you what you need to do. You have to love. You have to care. You have to serve. Just find some way to do it. Don't wait forever. Looking for some dream thing to come along that will be the fulfillment. Focus on the little things. Be faithful in the little things and bigger things will come. Work on the small parts of your life. Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would deal with us. I invite your conviction into my life. Areas of my life where I have been less disciplined, where I have been, where I've been less focused. Thank you for this message to wake me up again, to remind me that I need to concentrate. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on around us, we need to be focused. Spirit of the Lord, one of the fruit of the Spirit that you give us and that flows from you in eternity to us here on earth is, is endurance, the ability to be long-suffering. All of these things you give us, Lord, help us. Help us to be focused. Help us to fulfill all of the commitments we have, timings of it, the actions of it, what is the task we are to do 
We should not agree to do a task in conjunction with someone else if we do not know that we will be focused on it till its completion. Better not to commit to a thing and then stop in the middle because Jesus said, then those will ridicule you and say, he started but didn't have enough to finish. Those who put their hand to the plow looking back are not fit. Not fit for the kingdom. That means the kingdom requires this focus, requires that we stay consistent. Lord, as we walk this path, as we go the route that you've given us to go and fulfill your purposes for our life, help us to become stronger and stronger in our resolve. Help us to remember. Give us a revival of purpose. Help us to simplify our visions and our goals so that we can remain focused. Jesus, let this word be sealed to our hearts tonight. Let this word go deep inside. Help us all to be able to, if necessary, make changes in our lives, even over these next few days. All by your Spirit, warmly and gently guide us to the right way. Lord, I'm not teaching condemnation in this message. I'm not looking to make people feel punished. I'm looking for them to be successful in the kingdom. I pray that you would make them so. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I want to pray with you. Like, it's just simply a prayer about focus. I'm going to pray, and I, you can repeat the words with me, phrase by phrase. Say, Father, I thank you for your kingdom, and that you have saved me, and have placed me in it. I see in your word. There are details. There are instructions. Those people that are in the word that grew, that were successful, were so because they were focused. The woman with the issue of blood. She was focused on the hem of his garment. Zacchaeus was focused on seeing Jesus. The friends of the paralytic were focused on putting him before Jesus. Help us to become focused. Holy Spirit, let your fruit be abundant in me. Let this word be secure. In Jesus' Thank you for listening to Antioch Center for the Nations. If you would like to support our efforts, 
please consider making a donation at www.antiochchurch.sg. Thank you.